All right, hey, it's Kyle D'Agostino with Pool & Company Architects in Birmingham, Alabama, and we've got another episode of our podcast. And today we have Mr. Christopher Washington, who's the CEO of Division 12, a uh, furniture dealership here in Birmingham, Alabama. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Glad to be here. Glad to be here, Kyle. Chris actually uh, asked me if he could be on the podcast, which is like only the first time that anybody's ever asked to be on it. So I appreciate that you somehow knew about us and wanted to be here. I love to talk. <laughs> that, that's the best thing. Yeah. I get to talk. <laughs> so anytime I get to talk, especially to my friend, that's a good thing. Where is most of your business these days? that you want to talk about? Is it in it's Birmingham everywhere. or is it, is it uh, out of Birmingham? Both. Again, as I, you know, I told you earlier, we are the only company like us in the Southeast. So it's high demand for us. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of projects, a lot of sizable projects outside of the state yep. and a lot of sizable projects in Birmingham and outside of Birmingham. So we kind of go where the project is. How do you sniff out the projects? Follow the money. Yeah. Follow the money. What does it mean? What does it really mean? It's not that easy. It's not that easy, but I make it look easy. <laughs> it's not that easy. So I'm not going to share that secret, Yeah. but I gave everyone the roadmap in that statement. Okay. Well, if anyone can follow the roadmap, I know you can. Because <laughs> yeah. it was given to me. Who gave it to you? I give credit to where credit is due. I learned all of this at Goodwin Mills and Kwood. Uh huh. Now I tell Jeffrey, who's the CEO yep. of Goodwin Mills, and we, and we started when we were young. I'm talking about really, really young. Our marketing and aggressive marketing was formed, and my habits of aggressive marketing were formed during those years. During those years, so during I'm glad years. you brought me back to that. So. You are a trained and registered architect. Not registered. Not registered. Mm -hmm. trained. trained at Auburn mm -hmm. University, and you got your degree there in architecture. That's correct. And then you came to Birmingham and started the GMC, GMC's Birmingham office. Yes, it Jeffrey. was four of us. Yeah, who was it? Uh, Jeffrey, Nick, Sfacanos, uh Jackie Overby, Gary Owen, uh, and Chris Engel came a year later. Okay. And you, so a couple years later, you were part of that original group above the pancake house. Yeah, that's right. And in, yeah. in five points. Yep. God, I forgot about that. That was a long time, a long ago. time ago. So you practiced architecture for many years. Yes. Yes. About how long? Um, up until maybe 30 something. Yeah. And you've been in the furniture business now for how long? Since 2006. Yeah, we're, so we're, we're celebrating 17 years. We're going on fantastic. 17 years. Yeah, we're about to celebrate. We celebrated 18 years. Is that right? Yeah, 18 years um, at Pool and Company. All right. So the obvious question here is, why did you go out of architecture and into into the uh, the furniture world? Well, I, you know, as you know, you form relationships with furniture dealers having to call you all the time. Mm -hmm. And one particular furniture dealer uh, that called me was uh, David Dunaway. He is and was and is my friend. I left Goodwin Mills and Kwood, crazy thing I did, and went to Owens and Woods. Mm. 
I sure had I forgot about that yep. part of your history. Yep. And I was spending 16 hours a day in the office. As that, an architect. As an architect. Yeah, I'm familiar with those days. My kids had to come down to the office mm -hmm. to see me. And I said, you know what? This isn't life. And that was the transition yeah. right there. It's an interesting realization. Very interesting. <laughs> Very and interesting. You had dedicated at that point five years to your education, which mm -hmm. is a year longer than most people would in their undergraduate pursuits. Mm -hmm. And then, what, how many years of, of practicing architecture? At least that? 10. Yeah. At so you 10. got 15 years in that biz. Mm -hmm. And you decide that uh, you need, what, more work life balance? More or, work life prep. More work life balance. Yeah. And maybe I'll just go out on a limb, um, an interest in maybe uh, if you're going to work that hard and that many hours, it needs to be for a little bit more money? Uh, or is that not necessarily part of your decision making? The money wasn't necessarily part of it. Yep. I've been blessed to enjoy what I do and make money at it. Mm -hmm. And so, and make a lot of money at it mm -hmm. and, and, and be happy. So money wasn't a determining factor, it was my time. Mm -hmm. being a determining factor. And if you have kids and you start a family, what's your greatest asset? Your greatest asset are your kids. Mm -hmm. I was told that and I wanted to make sure my greatest asset lived on beyond me and had a better life and had opportunities like I did. And I think my wife and I, we've been successful with it. Yeah. You've got how many kids? Two kids. Two kids. How old are they? Uh, I don't even know how old my son is. I think he's 22. 20, we'll 22. edit that part out. Uh, I, think he, I think he's 22. No, you can keep it. it you got matter. a 22-year-old. Yeah. He just he graduated from Harvard mm -hmm. uh, in December, this past December, and he went to Boston College uh, as a student athlete. And I think he'll be going, I think he's looking at a couple other schools now yeah. to finish his football career. Wow. Good for him. So... And then you have another kid? My daughter has a full scholarship to UAB for track. What are her events? Or is that a Four, trick question? 400, <laughs> 200, and I think the 100. And does she do relay? I think she will do the relay. Yeah, relay is pretty awesome. Yeah, I think she will do the relay. Were you an athlete? No. No? I was okay, no. athlete. I was okay. I blew up my knee, so I was done. You were done. When yeah. did you do that? Uh, it was high school. I yeah. can't remember the years, but then I started drawing. Uh -huh. And then that was the best thing for me. Is that what got you interested in architecture? Yes. Yes. Not, you didn't want to be an artist? No. Didn't want to be an artist. Wanted to be an architect. Uh -huh. I always wanted to be an architect. And then my dad, I listened to my dad, he's like, Chris, you know, you need to go to, uh, you know, go to a school where you go to a school and go somewhere where you'll make a lot of money. And at that point I learned when I did Auburn Engineering. That's when you about, started? It wasn't about the money because I hated engineering. <laughs> yeah. Hated it. So you it transferred into architecture? Transferred into architecture. So that summer. You, summer up. So you don't do it anymore, but do you still have a love for architecture? Or did yes. you have a love for yes, it? Yes, I do it every day. Yeah. Every single day. So the beauty about our skill set, which has transitioned to who we hire, actually. We're not just a furniture dealer. We're not trying to sell you furniture. We're trying to help you throughout the process of construction and design. So if I come to you with experience as an architect, you're gonna listen, because I'm sitting down with the architect and, and or the contractor say, hey, have you thought through this? 
Right. Make sure you have these on your drawings. So you've got all that experience to know what both sides of that equation or all three sides of that equation look like, and right? And they end up trusting you. Yeah. That's smart. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so that's been our model of hiring people that have that experience. So interior designers and other architects? Yes. Yep. Not, not other architects, okay. interior designers. Interior designers. So how many uh, interior designers have you got on staff now? Three. And you've got the Birmingham. And, and soon to have one coming on December 1. Really? Mm -hmm. So you've owned the business now for how long? Since 2006. Yeah, 2006. What's been the greatest achievement during that period of time? You've got 17 years. Um, I mean, I know there's highs and lows, but does oh, anything stick out in your mind as something that you're really proud of? as it relates um, to the business? That my name isn't in it. I don't have an ego. Uh, so, and that's why Washington is nowhere in Division 12 Consulting. I'm literally patterning the company after GMC. Our next transition, and this is what I, I will be most proud of, is transitioning our company into an employee-owned company. Yeah, will that be an ESOP? Yes, that will be an ESOP. And so I'm most excited about that uh -huh. because when I was given shares and became a part of ownership in Goodwin Mills and K. Wood, mm -hmm. it literally put a battery on my back. It really made a difference. It made a difference. So, so not only was I able to see where my fruits helped the company, I was able to see, see that in dividends. Mm -hmm. And so, and I was young at the time, so I want to do that same thing to other young professionals in this business. Yeah, that's something that I find very interesting. I talk to other uh, business owners like you. I'd like to hear their perspective you know, on employee-owned versus not. It's interesting to hear you say that when you're at GMC, mm -hmm. that that really did make a difference. So did you difference. feel like you had a direct line to, to your own financial success? Yes. Yeah. What else? Is there any, was that mostly it, or did you feel did it make you feel more part of the team, part of the family? It like, makes you feel you're part of the success of the company. Mm -hmm. You're helping with the culture. You're in leadership, and so all those things combined kind of helps you go out and feel secure that hey, if I bring in work, I will be taken care of. Uh -huh. I will see the fruits of my labor. Yep. And so that was a part of all of that. You said your dad has been involved with the business? Yes, yes. Did you talk to him about that idea? Esau? Yeah. Uh, I did. Yeah. I did. I I'm did. just curious, generationally, you said uh, he's 73. I just wonder if there's... I had to explain to him, and most people, you don't see this a lot with minority companies, minority businesses. Okay. So one of my mentors, and I have a lot of mentors, one of my mentors, he passed, it was Greg Calhoun. When Greg Calhoun passed and he had Calhoun Foods, he had successful consulting companies with mm -hmm. Pepsi and uh, Coca-Cola, all the companies, NASCAR. And so he would always kind of communicate, hey, I'm doing this, this, and this, and tell me some of the pitfalls that he's faced and tell me some of the wins that he's, faced, mm -hmm. that he's had. And so I've always had that perspective, but when he passed his company, kind of went away. And so no succession plan, no succession plan. So I need to make sure division 12 lives beyond myself because you care about the generational wealth associated with that or because generational these people wealth, that have been helping you build that business need to be able to continue to take it forward. Generational wealth and then that. Mm -hmm. Helping others do well for their families and provide for their families. Yeah. I would always call myself a servant leader. 
And to me, that's being a servant leader. In the context of being a leader and having your failures, you know, inform future successes, mm -hmm. what what would you say is is a is an, an important failure that what you've experienced? What kind of loaded question is that? Golly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that successful people and then and people who are up and coming who might listen to this podcast, you know, they want to know that we don't have it figured out either. Right. No. And we're learning along the way. So maybe and as opposed to, you know, talking about failures, what are some of the important things that you've learned that have given you, you know, vision? Be strategic. Be very, very strategic. Look at your and this is the real simple one. Overhead, keeping overhead as low as possible without diminishing quality. Mm -hmm. That's a real trick. That's a real trick. That's a real, that's a real thing. Keep overhead low, keep quality high, but then you're working 20 hours a week or 20 hours a day. Mm -hmm. So the key is getting that balance. And so, and, and I'll tell you, one, I'll tell you another, our big transition, my bishop, uh, Bishop Van Moody, uh, who's actually doing a building right down the street. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's doing the, um, they call it the hub? Yeah, the hub. Yep. And yep. we started that project, not to get off, we started that project uh, three years ago. Yeah, I just uh, heard Van talk about it uh, yeah. maybe four or five months ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 been, it's, been, in, it's been in the planning stage, but it's going to be a great, great, great project, mm -hmm. especially for the community. He told me maybe three years ago, you got to give up to go up. What's that mean? You have to give up some responsibility yeah. and let people do their jobs and trust that they do their jobs for you to go up or for the company to go up. And so once I start doing that and trusting that the people that we had in place can do the job, we started really skyrocketing. Skyrocketing. Yeah. Because it allowed me to do what I'm what I do best. Which is go market. Yeah. Go get work. Have conversations. Have conversations. Make relationships. Yes. Get to know people. Yeah, that really allowed me to do that, and so even for young entrepreneurs, a person you hire may not do it exactly like you, yeah. or with the passion that you do it at. But if they can do it at least eighty percent, that's a win. Do you try to keep those, fo even though they're not going to do it the way you do it? Mm -hmm. Is there a framework within they you want them to operate? Is there a Division Twelve way of doing things that you know they they have to sort of learn that methodology or understand the the mission or you know what makes the company tick or are they they're, not, they're not out so there much. on their own? Not so much. They're not there on their own. It's almost a trust thing. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's being able to trust that the person that you hire because we vet people. Uh, the trust the person that you hire can do the job and they're not changing who they are i've always t i tell everyone in our office be who you are mm -hmm. be authentic be authentic be who you are if you are you know a real detailed person continue to be detailed if you are you know this type of person be this type of person it's okay we have tough conversations very very tough conversations really yes very very tough tough conversations but our culture is built on respect. Our culture is built on working hard, and we have a little fun. Yeah, just a little bit, but just we a have little a little bit. fun. You've got how many employees now? Twenty-two. Twenty-two. So y'all are about the same size as we are. We're mm -hmm. maybe getting closer to twenty-five here soon. When you get over ten, you stop worrying about payroll. 
<laughs> you start. You stop. You stop. <laughs> yeah. Because it's all relative. <laughs> yeah. I like to ask this question. You've been in Birmingham a really long time. I've been here for 30 years. Seen a lot of change in our um, in the Magic City. Talk to me about the change that you've seen. What excites you about that, or doesn't excite you about it? The growth. Yeah. The growth. And explain that a little bit more. Like, what um, do you, what do you, what is, what do you see through your your eyeballs? So, one of the things that I have seen in those years of just kind of watching Birmingham and watching Montgomery and even watching the state and, and the growth pattern that we are. We have a lot more industry coming to Alabama. Mm -hmm. uh, and with industry coming, that means, you know, they hire architects, they hire. So our leadership has done a great job in bringing industry to Birmingham mm -hmm. and expanding Birmingham as a, a great place to live, a great place to work, a great place to visit. I have to commend Mayor Randall Wolfen for doing that. And in Montgomery, I have to commend Steve Reed, Mayor mm -hmm. Steve Reed, for doing the same thing. I, you know, when I came to Birmingham, like I said, 30 years ago, it was it was kind of tumbleweeds, is the way I describe it yeah. to some of my friends. I literally rolled into town and like two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, and it was tumbleweeds. Mm -hmm. There was nothing going on in, in the CBD. Right. And now that's just absolutely not the case. You know, I, I laugh at, at when people say, even today, oh, it's, it's dangerous down there. I don't get it. Do you, do you feel like our, we have a dangerous city? No. I, I go to a lot of cities, a lot of cities. And Birmingham is not that place. I've gone to a lot of cities where they, yeah, it's, yeah. it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And you have to be mindful of where you go. Yeah. But Birmingham is not that place. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel that either. No. But no. I mean, maybe it's just because I grew up in the Northeast and the cities are bigger and I don't know. I've never felt um, unsafe. I can I, go anywhere in Birmingham Yeah. and feel just as comfortable as being at home. Yeah. Literally. I don't carry a gun, so I can talk and befriend people and no matter who it is. You grew up where? I had the best of both worlds. So I grew up in Birmingham yep. and I grew up in Montgomery. Okay. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah, was, <laughs> you want to elaborate on that? So at a young age, my parents were separated. Okay. And so I stayed in Birmingham. The summers I would go to Montgomery. And then I actually moved from Birmingham during high school mm -hmm. or during, I think, uh, eighth grade because uh, the high school here closed down, Banks High School closed okay. down. And so I went to Montgomery. Uh, and, and finished your high school there? Yeah, finished high school there, Sydney Linear High School, which is now about to be, not torn down, but reallocation of students. So it's being closed down. Really? High school, yep. And they're redistributing the kids to other high schools? Mm -hmm. What are your fond memories of childhood in Montgomery? I have so many. Yeah? So many. There's too many to mention, but I would think one, it was a lot simpler. You know, the only thing that, it was different in Birmingham, but the only thing you had to really worry about in Montgomery was what to wear, which was a different environment in Birmingham. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was a different environment in Birmingham, but hey, I was, I'm gonna wear a bow tie, and then I had MC Hammer pants. <laughs> you <laughs> you laugh, you laugh. And then my hair was like this. Uh -huh. <laughs> what did they, you know, you they, had the high they, top fade. Yeah, the high top oh, fade. Yeah. Oh yeah, I had all that. <laughs> you had all that? I had all that. 
That's I had awesome. all that. And I have the pictures to prove it. You should have brought some. <laughs> no. We no. could do B-roll with that. <laughs> no. We're going to bring those back. <laughs> what do you see going into the future for Division 12? What are, what are some things that you can talk about that get you excited about, you know, where it's going? You're still young, so you're going to be Smart in this growth. game for a while. Smart growth. Uh-huh. Smart growth and how we expand. Again, as I said, we're kind of the only company like us in the southeast. You know, it's an anomaly for Birmingham, but we do very, very well in Georgia. We do very, very well in South Carolina, North Carolina. We do very well in Florida. Mm -hmm. And so finding other companies that are similar to us, that fit our culture and uh, go along with the mantra of we're stronger together than apart. Is there a growth model? Like, do you know when you'll have gotten to where you want to? Is there a, I don't want to be bigger than this out I don't there? Think, I don't think it is. Uh, yeah. I, we, don't, we don't really care about how large we are. We care about the work that we do and the service that we provide. Yeah. If that diminishes, that's when we have a problem. You bring up a really good point. You know, we, we are in a service industry. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a, people a lot lately, and maybe that's primarily just when I'm surfing LinkedIn, but talking about the hospitality that you have to have within our industry. And yes. if you miss that point, you're missing a really big point. Yes. Give me some more thoughts on, on that. Our business is built on trust, trust, trust. Mm -hmm. When you have a client that trusts you, they will come to you for everything, mm -hmm. literally everything. And that's what you want. My phone doesn't shut off because my clients, our clients are our friends. Yeah. Truly are my friends. That's something that I take pride in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if a client calls, I may shoot a text and I can't talk. Hey, let me call you right back. But I do call back and say, hey, what do you need? Yep. How can I help you? Yeah. And, and being that servant to your clients and making sure that service is excellent. Because nine times out of ten, a client gets, and I learned this in architecture, a client gets pissed off when you avoid their calls or when you can't answer them. Yeah, it's pretty transparent. It's pretty. <laughs> they know they're being dodged, right? Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. pretty transparent. Yep. And so once you kind of solve that dynamic, you're home free. A lot of people don't understand that. No. A lot of architects don't understand no, that. they'll avoid A it. lot of contractors, a lot of people don't understand that. They may have one thing, but, you know, it's a whole other side to this business. I think a lot of that comes from not wanting to confront the hard issues, not wanting to deal with, you know, I mean, it's what we do every day mm -hmm. is hard. Yeah. We can get better and better at it and, and make it easier. But I, I want to do that in an effort to put the easy stuff behind you so that you have time to tackle harder problems. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and, have, and be a better problem solver for your clients yes. and not have to dodge the hard things, right? Yes. And there's well, a lot we, that we haven't seen before, right, or we hadn't done, but if we've got experience doing hard things, it gives easy. you the confidence to persevere or it puts a battery on your back, like you said. Exactly. Exactly. And every situation is somewhat similar. All we do is solve problems. That's right. literally all we do. Yeah. Every job site, we're going to have a problem. And you're not going to know which one, what it's going to be, right? Yeah. You don't have an elevator. Elevator's not coming in for three, four months. But i got to get my furniture in this building. But you got to get your furniture in. Contractor is late on providing something. 
but they still want the furniture in. For you, it's, it's the same thing. The owner hasn't paid, <laughs> and architect has delayed in providing final CDs, or if it's a design bill, same thing. It's, it's just problems that we solve yep. that we see that we know how to answer, or we learn how to answer effectively. And, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the business that we know, yes. but a lot of it has to do with, like you said, just being open and willing to think about solving any problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I want to be a trusted advisor to my clients yes. in and out of the business. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and when you get that's to that where point, I get my satisfaction. And when you get to that point, that's a sweet spot. Yeah. There's not many firms that can do that. No, that and it's not for, you know, I'm not for everybody. No. You're no. not for everybody. No. But you want to be for a lot of people. But that's why we have different employees, and that's why I say we. And Good point. I don't say me or right. I. Yeah. I say we or us. Yeah. Because we've had clients that say, hey, I don't like Chris's aggressive or uh -huh. attitude. <laughs> But right. I want I want a client that I want someone that I can listen to, my VP. He, yep. he listens. <laughs> he listens. I well, mean, he that's listens. What they say it takes a team, right? Yeah. And and so if you're building a team, have a team that you don't all have to be the same. The differences make us better. Yeah. No, I think the worst the worst team is the one where the guy does hires everyone who's exactly like him. Oh, that's awful. Or her. That's awful. Right. I can't stand to be around myself. That <laughs> oh, that would be awful. Yeah, I, <laughs> that I, would be me, awful. I think me too. <laughs> that I, I feel awful. that way. You, you have to have that diversity. Which we pride ourselves on. Yeah. Which we pride ourselves on. It's important to have a group of people that you can work with, that you can be friends with, and that you can you know, be honest and, and frank with, not only in the employee community, but in your client community. Mm -hmm. As we kind of sign off, Christopher, I think my last question for you is, obviously we have to be profitable, we have to make money, we need to support the people and, uh, that you know, work with us and for us. But beyond profitability, what really makes you and your organization tick? And you may have said this already, but give me the, you know, sum it up for me. I can sum it up this way. I have the best, and can I curse? Yeah. I have the best damn job in the world. I get to wake up every day and work for, and literally I call myself a servant leader and work for the people who work for me, making sure they can provide for their families, making sure that they have a, a way to be able to succeed in this business. Mm -hmm. uh, I trust each and every one of our employees. Literally, I trust them. I get to go around and talk to people all day long, maybe solve maybe 30 minutes or an hour worth of problems. Yep. Maybe I'd do an hour or two worth of finances, but I get to talk to people. I used to get C's and D's in, in conduct for doing this. <laughs> now, it's what, it's, a way, it's, it's what I do, it's a way yep. of life. And having conversations and meeting new people uh, and learning new people, learning how people tick, that's been the best thing for me and our company. That's an awesome sign off. I really appreciate you sharing with us today what you do, how you do it, why you do it. It's, yeah. um, it's been a Thank pleasure. Thank you for having me. And um, we'll have you back and, make sh uh, and find out you know, how this growth plan is going. That will be good. That will be good. And we'll talk some more. Perfect, perfect. Thanks, hey, man. Thank, thank you, bud. Enjoyed it.